This morning as we get started, I want to remind you what I talked about last week. I talked about movies, right? I said there was a big difference between guy movies and girl movies. Girl movies start with the in front of them, right? The vow, the sound of music, the notebook, of course. And guy movies are one-word titles like Braveheart and 300 and Gladiator because, like I said, we can only handle one-word titles as gentlemen, right? That's all we can handle. This morning, I'm going to go back to the movies a second and the guy movies because there's always a hero in a guy movie. And here's what's so cool about the heroes in guy movies. They've been shot like 20 times. They've been run over by a car. They've got arrows sticking out of their legs. And their buddy comes up and is like, hey, dude, are you okay? He's like, just a flesh wound. Let's go. And he gets up and he runs and he goes and he battles and he wins, right? Now, now guys, we're not a whole lot different than that, are we? You know, we, we slice a finger, we, we break an arm, we snap an ankle. Somebody's like, are you okay? We're like, it's just a flesh wound. I'm okay. I'm good. Everything's going to be fine. And so we get up and we just keep going. Except for one thing, gentlemen, and ladies, I think you're going to agree with me on this one. The man cold. You know what I'm talking about? Ladies, these guys get the man cold, and all of a sudden their leg can be broken and snapped in half, bleeding to death. They're like, I'm good, but they get that little bit of cold. I can't get out of bed today. I can't move. Look, guys, I got a man cold right now, and I'm up here, all right? I just want to throw that out there. I could have bailed, but I didn't. Thank you. Thank you. That would probably never change. Here's the deal, guys. When we have physical injuries, we don't like to acknowledge that that pain and that hurt is there many times. We're like, hey, I'm good. It's just a flesh wound. I'm going to keep going. But you know, we also have spiritual and emotional wounds that we carry with us, and we do the exact same thing. We say, hey, I'm good. I'm fine. You don't need to help me. Nothing to see here. I'm going to keep moving forward. Today, we are going to talk and discuss those wounds that we find. You know, as, as uh, Gary said a little bit earlier, we continue our series called The Warrior. If this is your first time here, if you were not here with us last week, this series is connected to and for men. Now, what I said last week is that every single week, there's going to be things that even ladies, you're going to be able to take with you. And I, I heard that from last week. We talked about the, the warrior's cause, and many of you said, hey, this was good for me too. It's good for all of us, what we're talking about. We're kind of focused on men, and here's the reason why. I shared this statistic. 61% of people who show up on a Sunday morning in a church are female. 39% are men, which means to me that men, our faith isn't very important to us. And I believe if our faith becomes important to us and we begin to live that out, God will use that to do amazing things in our life, in our family's life, and in the world. And so our faith has to be important to us. And so last week we did, we talked about the warrior's cause. And we said that every warrior needs a cause to fight for. And so we looked at that and discussed that over our time together. Well, this week we're going to talk about the wounded warrior. Because here's what we're going to find. In a church like ours, there are going to be men and women who carry deep wounds inside of us. I'm going to be very specific this morning because I believe that those wounds that many of us carry come from one person in our life. Many times they come from our dads. That many of us carry the wounds that we have within our soul and our heart, within who we are emotionally. Those wounds come specifically from our fathers. Now, I know that many of us have great relationships with our dads, right? 
Because growing up, we spent so much time with our dad. Our dad was at every event that we were a part of, every sporting event, every activity. Our dad would take off work early to be there with us. Our dad would talk to us and have conversations and deep, meaningful conversations with us. And so maybe for you, your relationship with your dad is pretty strong. And it always has been. But what you find as you begin to talk to people, for many people, we struggle with our fathers. And the experiences that we had with our dad because of who he was, he was a workaholic, he was always gone. Sadly, he was abusive. So these wounds that we have are so deep inside of us. And so how do we get beyond those wounds that are there? Robert Bly is an author, and he says, recalls this, the father wound. He says, it's very common, very common for a man to feel wounded by his father. So sometimes these wounds come from the dad being offensive, forceful, abrasive, abusive. And sometimes the son misinterprets the father's actions. But whatever the case is, it's very common for men specifically to feel wounded by their dads. About 17, 18 years ago, we were living in New Jersey. I was about two years into a ministry there at a church, and it was my first ministry. And um, we had just, I've shared this story before, we had just lost uh, a child seven and a half months into pregnancy. And so there was a lot of things I was struggling with. I was making poor decisions. I, it was my, just my, who I was, was, was just becoming a terrible person. And so Kara and I began to talk, Kara, my wife, and we began to talk through this. And we both decided, I need to go into counseling. So I went into counseling, and over the course of time, the counselor said, hey, Chad, you have some, some dad issues. And you know what? He was right. I did. I struggled a lot with my dad. My dad a, was a pastor uh, for my whole life, and I grew up in that environment. And some people think, hey, you're the pastor's kid. Everything must be great. It's not. My dad was a workaholic. We, we saw him very rarely. I knew exactly why he was doing it. I know he loved God. I know he loved Jesus. I know he loved the church. But sometimes our family kind of got put on the back burner because of that, and I struggled with that. And so he said, hey, Chad, I think you have some dad issues you need to work through. And I, I agreed. I said, you're right. Now, I have some chatty issues I need to work through, too, but, but I definitely have some dad issues that I was able to work through over time with this particular counselor. I think many of us in this room could probably say that we have father wounds. We've struggled with the relationship with our dads and has impacted who we are today. But how do we heal from that? How do we get to a place where we're not living a life that's full of anger and bitterness? How do we get to a place that we don't become those kind of fathers to our kids. And so over the next few moments, we're going to look at two father-son relationships in Scripture. One of them is terribly unhealthy, and one of them is, is perfect. And how both of these relationships can tell us a lot about ourselves and hopefully help us heal from those wounds that we carry. The first one comes out of the Old Testament. It's a relationship between King David and his son Absalom. King David is a powerful man. Uh, he's got basically anything that you can imagine. In fact, God put him in that position. We find in scripture that it said that he was a man after God's own heart. I mean, this is a pretty incredible guy. King David is specifically. He has eight wives. He's got 15 sons. And one of his sons' name is a guy named Absalom. Here's what we find about Absalom. If you have a Bible, you can turn to 2 Samuel chapter 14. 2 Samuel 14, we're going to spend a little bit of time in, in chapters 14 through 18. If you don't have a Bible, we'll put it up here on the screens. Uh, you can follow along on your Journey Church app and take notes there or also on your program. Here's what we find. 2 Samuel chapter 14, verse 25. 
in all Israel, there was not a man so highly praised for his handsome appearance as Absalom. From the top of his head to the sole of his foot, there was no blemish in him. It's a good-looking dude, right? I mean, he is good-looking. He's the king's son. He's handsome. There's not, he doesn't even have a mole on his body, right? He's perfect. And so you're thinking to yourself, king material, this is probably the guy that should be king when King David is gone. We find out a little bit more from him in verse 26. It says, whenever he cut the hair of his head, he used to cut his hair once a year because it became too heavy for him, blah, blah, blah. Who really cares, right? <laughs> he would weigh it, and its weight was 200 shekels by the royal standard. Perfect looking. He's got a lot of hair. Like, I'm over two. I'm thinking this is rough. I mean, this guy is the perfect dude. And again, we're thinking king material. This is the perfect guy to lead. But here's what we don't see in those two verses. We don't see the deep wounds that are there in his life. Let me give a little backstory. You may be familiar with the story of David, David and, and Bathsheba. Uh, again, we, we have uh, this um, episode that we call it an affair. Uh, if you actually look at the Hebrew and the story, more than likely it was rape that took place with David and Bathsheba. But uh, David has a son whose name is Amnon. And this is uh, one of his kids, and this son sexually assaults his half-sister, who happens to be Absalom's sister. And Absalom gets angry, which makes total sense. He, he's upset, he's angry, and for two years he plots to kill his brother Amnon. It finally happens. He kills Amnon, and he runs because he's afraid of his dad. He's afraid of what King David will do to him. What gets him to this place? I was thinking about this for a moment. Here's Absalom. He's the king's son. You would think he's got everything he needs, doesn't he? I mean, he's got this perfect life. He's got this great family. He's a part of the, the royal heritage. You could think everything in his life is great just because of the position that he has. And it being the son of David, a powerful dad who's probably busy. We know he was gone a lot. He was a warrior king. That's what got him in trouble with Bathsheba is because he stayed home when he was supposed to be at war. And here's a guy who's a workaholic. So I begin to think in my mind, what was it like for Absalom growing up in that family? I bet dad didn't really talk to him a whole lot, did he? Probably didn't spend a whole lot of time with him. He probably didn't say, hey, buddy, let's go out and throw the ball. Let's go hang out. Let's go grab some coffee and talk. What's going on in your life? And because David is really, really busy with all these kingly things that he's got to take care of. And then here's Absalom, his son. There's this tension, I think, within that relationship. And then you have this big scandal that takes place, this, this royal scandal that's happening. I'm guessing that they didn't spend a whole lot of time together, that there really was no relationship between King David and Absalom. And so you know what Absalom is carrying with him? He's carrying these father wounds. And these wounds are deep inside of Absalom. And his dad is furious at what he's done. Look at chapter 14, verse 1. It says, Joab, son of Zeruahai, knew that the king's heart longed for Absalom. Five years pass, and finally King David changes his mind and says, I want to see my son. I want to see him. I want to hang out with him again. I want to forgive him for, for what's taken place here. David's heart has changed. And guess what Absalom wants to do? 
He wants to see his dad. All of a sudden, dad's like, hey, I want to see you. And the son's like, oh, dad, this is great. We're going to get together. We're going to hang out. Maybe we can, we can make up for all the times in the past where we didn't do that. And so finally, Absalom gets to see his son. In verse 33 of chapter 14, then the king summoned Absalom, and he came in and bowed down with his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? It's like, wow, wow, reconciliation is actually going to happen here. here. Here we have this, this dad, we have this son, there's all this tension, all this, this, this rough relationship that they have. And now all of a sudden, here's dad's like, hey, son, come back. And I, I want to I talk to you, I want to spend time with you. And here's the son, he's coming, he's like, dad, I'm here, everything's going to be great. Here's the issue, Absalom is actually plotting against David in this moment to get rid of David so he can become king. Those wounds in Absalom are so deep. In fact, Absalom starts this movement to overthrow his dad. And, and as we read through the story, we find the Israelites, they, they start to move in Absalom's favor. I, I mean, my guess is he's a people person. He's out shaking hands. He's out hanging out with anybody. You're the king. You're busy doing kingly stuff. Absalom's a guy for the people. He's probably an extrovert. Remember, he's handsome, he's got great hair, no blemishes on his body, and people are like, oh, maybe, maybe he should be king. How do we get to that place where now Absalom is plotting against his dad, David, to take over? It's those wounds. The damage has already been done to Absalom. He's hurt, he's in pain. And what does he want to do? He wants to pay back his dad for everything that happened to him as a kid. Now here are these moments where we find that damage has been done, and we find that Absalom is wounded. Here's what we know about wounded people. Wounded people are hurt people. Wounded people are hurt people. If you have been wounded, you've gotten to that place emotionally, mentally, spiritually, because someone has hurt you. Here in our story, that's what we see. Absalom has gotten to this place because he's been hurt, specifically by his dad. And when you are wounded, you have been hurt. But here's what we know about people who are wounded. Does the wounded just stop? No. When you are wounded and you've been hurt, here's what we do. Hurt people, hurt people, right? We're wounded, we've been hurt. Do we just keep that in? No. We're hurt, and so then we want to hurt someone else. Specifically here, he wants to hurt his dad. He wants to pay his dad back for everything that's happened in his life. We do the exact same thing. If we're wounded, we've been hurt from someone. Maybe it's our dad. Maybe it's our wife. Maybe it's our husband. Maybe it's our kid. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a family member. But when we've been hurt from somebody, we can't let that st stay inside of us. We got to let it out. And so we hurt people when we are hurt people. Absalom has been wounded. He is hurt now he wants to hurt someone else, specifically his dad. Look at chapter 15, verse 13. A messenger came and told David, the hearts of the people of Israel are with Absalom. Absalom has been wounded. He's bringing this pain to David. And as I read that, that verse over and over again, I wonder if that's the moment David looks back on his life he looks back at all the times that he spent with Absalom, which probably weren't very many, and all the times he missed with Absalom, which were probably very often. And I wonder if he regretted the dad he had been. I wonder if he regretted who he had been and what he had done. I wonder if that moment when he hears those words, if he's thinking, I have failed 
as a father. I, I say that because I can only imagine that's what I would think or say in that moment. There's this tension that's there. At the end of 2 Samuel, or in 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 7, I'm not going to uh, read through this. Here's what we find. This is one of my favorite stories growing up uh, as a kid, and maybe you remember it too. Um, Absalom was trying to run from his father. Uh, his hair is so long that he gets it cut, caught up in this tree, and he's stuck there, and he is killed there. He's killed right there in that tree. And again, for me growing up, that was a, a story that I, I love to hear, which when I really, as an adult, think about it's actually a very, very sad story. But here's the deal. David has it all, doesn't he? He's got power. He's got prestige. He's got position. He's got everything. And you would think that was all you would need in that moment, to be happy. And you could take care of your kids. But, but that's not what we find. His son, Absalom, dies, a wounded man. David and Absalom never get to reconcile that relationship ever. See, that's the place our wounds can take us. To get into a moment where we never heal and we are never, never fully able to take care of and come to some sort of conclusion because of the wounds that get us in trouble. What is Absalom looking for? I think he's looking for his dad's approval. I think he's looking for David to say, hey, Absalom, man, let's work this out. I love you. You're a great kid. I know this isn't who you really are. Let's spend some time together. But hurt people are wounded, and hurt people, hurt people, and hurt people lose their way. And these wounds are deep in the story. But you know what? I think for some of us, our wounds are pretty deep too. Gentlemen, I think inside every grown man, there's a wounded warrior. There's a six-year-old wondering where dad is. There's a 12-year-old wondering why dad is gone. There's a 15-year-old yearning to hear dad say, I love you one more time. There's a 30-year-old wishing for reconciliation. How do we deal with those wounds? Let me give you two things that I think are so important um, and that are very, very hard. The first one is this. You got to forgive your father. You got to forgive your father. And I'm going to add this through Christ. Forgive your father through Christ. Now, I will tell you that is so hard and so tough for us to do. Now, for some of us, the pain that we feel with our fathers, it's small. It's simple. And maybe it's not going to take too long to work through that. For others of us, those wounds are huge and they're deep. And they're stuck. It's hard for us to get them out. Because the pain that we've experienced is stuff that we can't even talk about right here in this moment. I mean, you have been neglected and abused in so many ways that when I talk about forgiveness, you get angry. Because you don't want to do that. I, I understand that. But please understand, forgiveness is so important. And it might take years or decades to get to that place. Having family members who have dealt with that in their life, it, it didn't just happen in, in a couple of days. It took years to get to that place, to be able to say, I finally forgive you. Now, when you say you forgive you, that doesn't mean that you accept everything that ever happened. Okay? Please understand that. You're saying, I forgive you. And that, that I'm getting beyond the pain and the hurt and the evil that you did to me. 
I forgive you, and I'm able to do that through Jesus. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. That is so key. We've been forgiven. If we call ourselves followers of Christ, for those of us that are, then we understand what that forgiveness looks like. We have to be willing to forgive too, which is hard and it's tough, but I can promise if you do that, there's a burden that will be lifted off of you that will make your, your path light. You will be able to live life. You will go through life not afraid anymore. For some of you, just be able to breathe again. But we have to learn to forgive our fathers through Christ. But then secondly, we have to accept our fathers again through Jesus. Doesn't mean that we're saying everything that happened to me as a child or even as an adult was okay. What I'm saying is that I accept you. Romans 15, 7 says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Guys, as boys, if you're like most boys, you idolized your dad, right? Your dad was a superhero. Your dad could beat up every other kid's dad in the neighborhood. Your dad was the best mechanic around. Your dad had more muscles than anybody else. I mean, we looked up to our dads as superheroes. Here's what we found over time. They're human. They're not superheroes. And many of them let us down. And we carry those wounds with us even unto today. But we have to look past those wounds and look past the pain. We have to get to a place of saying, I forgive you through Christ and I accept you through Jesus too. Now, I know some of your dads did horrible things. You still need those barriers. You you still need those walls. You you still need to be able to say, hey, you're not a safe person around my family. And and so we're we're going to let... That, the, that barrier stay there. It's, it's okay to say that. But if we're a follower of Christ, we're, we're asked to forgive and accept them. There's so much there. And this is like a whole series we could do just on that. And at some point we will about forgiveness. But, but I think that's a starting point for us when those wounds are there from our dads. But here's what we can change right now more than this. We can change who we are when it comes to our own kids. So if you're a dad here this morning and you have children, I don't care what age they are, or if you're thinking about having kids in the future, let me give you a couple of ways that we can keep from transferring the wounds that we have and ourselves to our own kids. What does that look like for us? Well, let me talk about this second relationship that we find. It's the relationship that we find between God and Jesus. Jesus has baptism, John's baptizing him, and God is there. And when John um, brings Jesus back up out of the water, we read these words in Matthew three seventeen. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. I, I kind of have this picture there that, that here's Jesus, he comes out of the water, and God's like, That's my boy. I'm proud of this guy. He's like, yo, 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 hey, you're not listening over there. Can you listen to this. I got something to tell you. This kid's going places. 
He's amazing. He's got great things happening. He's going to make a difference in this world. That's kind of what I'm thinking Jesus is hearing. Because remember this, Jesus is divine, right? He's part God, right? But at the same time, he's human. And so as that human side is hearing these words come from God, I'm sure for Jesus, that's like, oh, man, that means a lot, Dad. Thanks. I mean, I, I, over the next three-plus years of his life in ministry, how many times do you think he's struggling? He goes back and remembers those words. Hey, remember what, remember what Dad said to me that day in front of all those people? Hey, you're, you're special. You're my kid. You're my son. You're going to do amazing things. That's very different than the relationship we saw there with David and Absalom, isn't it? There's something to that. There's something to that encouragement, that love, that affirmation that we see with God and Jesus. And so if you're a dad, let me give you three statements that I believe that you and I, we have to use with our kids. And ladies, I honestly believe this has to come from you too. But gentlemen, the power that we have as dads is so key for our children. You don't understand. As we feed these kids in our community, here's what I see. I see a lot of families with just moms in the house. And you know what? A lot of those kids that we feed here in Springfield, they're going to get into trouble. You know why? There's not a dad in their house. Men, we're so important. So important in the lives of our relationships with our kids. We don't realize that. So let me give you these three statements that I think are so powerful. The first one is this. I believe in you. Our kids need to know that we believe in them. Now, some of you are like, hey, I believe in you because you're going to be a pro baseball player. But that's not what we're talking about, right? Chances of that happen are very slim. How many times have you told your kids, I believe in you? When, when your kids are talking to you, you can just, you can just sense that they're, they're down on themselves. They're having a hard time. And what do we do? A lot of times we get on to them, right? Like I tell my son, Jake, suck it up. That's one of my favorite terms to him. So I'm sometimes like, hey, Jake, what am I going to say? He's like, suck it up, Dad. Right? Exactly, dude. Sometimes we just got to tell him, hey, I believe in you. I believe in who you are. I believe in who you are going to become. I believe in you. It's such a powerful phrase. Men, fathers, that's the first way we can begin to change our kids so those wounds aren't there. I believe in you. And then secondly, I'm proud of you proud of you. I can remember walking into my dad's office when uh, I decided to. I was in the insurance industry, and I went to my dad's office. He's, again, a pastor, and uh, I was like, hey, dad, I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be in ministry. I, I'm not supposed to be in the insurance industry, the business world anymore. I'm supposed to be like you. Know, I'm supposed to be in ministry, and he's crying. I'm crying. Uh, it was one of those moments, and we're hugging each other, and then at the very end, I remember the words he said to me. He said, son, I am so proud of you. I still hold on to those today. Because they're powerful words coming from, from your dad. How many times do we tell our kids that we are proud of them? No matter what they become in life. You know what? You've worked really hard this year. I know it's been a hard year for you educationally, but you put a lot of time, a lot of effort into this. Guess what? You're the best C student there at that school. <laughs> Keep working hard. I'm proud of you. Or maybe... Your kids, you paid for eight years of college, <laughs> and they're living at home still. And, uh, and they say, hey, I know I got this business degree, but I'm going to be a janitor. You know what? I'm proud of you for taking this step and putting all that time into it and for you being a janitor, making a difference in kids' life. Thank you. I'm proud of you. We forget the power behind those, those words. Or, or for those of you that are a little bit older and maybe you've got grandkids, you still have an opportunity to say these words, too, to your child. To your son, 
to look at them and say, you know what, I'm proud of you. You're a better dad than I ever was to you. I love watching you with your kids. I'm proud of you. Gentlemen, we don't understand the power that we have in the words that we say. I believe in you. I'm proud of you. And then I think the most powerful words out there, I will always love you. Oh, guys, especially if you have daughters, they got to hear those words from you. I will always love you. I will always love you. Those are hard to say sometimes, but again, they go so far. Here's the deal, guys. You might not be able to send your kids on these great trips and buy them a car, a brand new car when they're 16 and get them every clothes that they want and piece of technology you want. And in the end, that doesn't really make any difference. But the one thing that you have, the one currency that you have every day are the words that you say, I love you. And how many times do we tell that to our children? I love you. Chris Rock, the comedian, once said, He would find himself to be a successful dad if he kept his son off the pipe and his daughter off the pole. Think about that for a second. I hope, gentlemen, your goal was way higher than that, okay? How do we go to our goals and how do we keep that from happening? I truly believe it's from dads saying, I love you. I love you. My dad and I talk on the phone a couple times a week, talking about life, catching up, seeking advice, whatever the case may be. And every single time, then my dad's like, I love you. And even at my age now, it's really kind of strange to say, I love you back. But every time I do, my dad's 67. I don't know how much longer he has on this world. I don't know how much longer I have here in this life either. I don't want to be the guy's like, hey, I'm not ever going to say it to my dad. And then when my dad passes away, I'm sitting there thinking, I wish I had said that to my dad. I wish I had said that to my kids. I don't want to be that person, that man. I know you don't either. There are three simple words. And yet they go so far by just saying, I love you. When I look at our culture today and our world and I, I, I see the issues and the problems we have, I wonder how much of that goes back to dads and the power that we have with our children and our families. I believe in you. I'm proud of you. I love you. Man, we can make a huge difference, gentlemen, if we begin to say and live those words out in our lives. We carry wounds inside of us, every single one of us, male, female. We, we carry those wounds. They are deep, and chances are good they came from our parents, and it's a pretty good chance that that may have come from our dad. But we get to choose. Do we want to carry those wounds our whole life, have bitterness and anger, and then transfer those to our kids who are then going to take that anger and bitterness and they're going to transfer that into their kids. And we're just going to see this circle happening over and over and over again. If you are a wounded warrior, you can break that right now. And you can choose to say, I have been wounded. I've been wounded. But you know what? I'm going to forgive and accept my dad. And it's hard and I don't want to do it. But I know Jesus told me I had to. Because of that, those are the steps I'm going to take. But you know what? I'm not just going to be healed myself. I'm going to make sure this doesn't continue on into my kids' lives. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell my kids I believe in them, I'm proud of them, and I love them. We get a choice to make. And here's the deal. Strong warriors make wise choices. 
but the choice is yours. Are we going to do what it takes to not be wounded anymore? And gentlemen, to be the warriors that God has created us to be. That is my prayer. That is my hope. And I hope that you will start to take those steps to be healed from those wounds. This morning, we're going to be heading into our communion time. And as we we do that, one of the cool things that we get to see is the power of a mom and dad over their child. This morning, Mitchell Becker is going to be baptized. And so I'm going to invite his mom and dad, Joe and Ann, to come up here. And the grandparents are going to come up here too. Oh, Dunbar, sorry. Mitchell Dunbar, sorry, dude. One of the neat things about our church is to see the power that, that parents have over their kids. Um, this doesn't happen without mom and dad spending a lot of time and, and, and conversations with, with someone like Mitchell. And so we're excited to see him take that step today. So, Mitchell, I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. I believe, I believe that, Jesus the Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the living God. my Lord and Savior. All right, very cool, dude. So we're going to go back there and get ready, and we'll have, um, we'll have the baptism after communion time today. But as we think about communion this morning, just think about what I said. What does that look like for us to not be wounded warriors, but to live the life that God has called us to?